Hi, my beautiful people. This is Spill With Me, Jenny D. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so excited. I've been wanting to do this for so long. I'm giving you a real big hug right now. I don't know if you can feel it, but I'm giving you this big hug because I feel like everybody needs a hug or a hey you're doing great, or you look nice, or just compliment each other. I mean, see, I felt like I needed to start this because I've been running into so many people that just want to talk about their life experiences, their relationships, or like any story they needed to share. This could be something magical or something they wanted to share, but they're afraid of what others would think, me included. Or if you're hurting inside or have a funny story about life lessons you'd like to talk about, I would love for you to reach out. This could be the worst or your best times. Listen, I have some good topics. We're going to have a lot of fun because I believe the best medicine is to talk about it because someone else is dealing with the same shit. Hi, everyone. This is Spill With Me, Jenny D. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our episode is going to be talking about a sister's journey of losing her twin to suicide. Please join me in welcoming our special guest, Darla, who I knew from middle school. Hi, Darla. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I know it's got to be difficult discussing and reliving your tragedy. Darla, can you tell our listeners why you want to share your story? Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate that. Well, you know what? I never steer clear of talking about my sister. Um, every opportunity I can get to talk about her, I jump on it. And, um, you know, I think it's when you lose someone that you love, um, sharing your story of them and your memories and, and, uh, things that were important to you. I, I I think that helps me. It helps, you know, it just helps to talk about our loved ones that we lost. Exactly. At least it it helps me. Right. Do you feel that this could maybe help somebody else. I mean, how how did this start with your sister? Go from the beginning. Well, Kelly and I, we decided right out of high school to join the Navy. And so that's what we did. Kelly was um, dead set on leaving home and traveling the world and, and, you know, seeking new adventures. So I just went along for the ride. So we graduated high school and then joined the Navy went to boot camp together and went to our first duty station together and we had a blast and we ended up serving six years in the Navy. Wow, that's wonderful. My brother was in the Navy. You know, Sean. I do. I know. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> so tell us about the Navy. Well, we we ended up going in as hospital corpsmen. So after boot camp, we went to what's called core school okay. in the Great Lakes area. So we spent three months in Great Lakes got our certifications, and went to our first duty station, which ended up being Portsmouth, Virginia. It was Portsmouth Naval Hospital, and we ended up loving Virginia. We were stationed there for, well, about, I think it was 18 months, and then we went overseas. We spent two years in Naples, Italy. Uh, oh, that wow. was fun. Yep. My brother was in Naples, Italy. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. He was. <laughs> That's cool. So, yeah, so we ended up uh, spending two years over there and then ended up getting stationed back in Virginia at the Naval Hospital again in Portsmouth. And we spent our last two years of our tour in Portsmouth again. And we ended up getting out in 97. 
And we ended up staying in Virginia instead of going back home to Pittsburgh because, you know, it's it was warmer there. Right. We were at the beach. I <laughs> much mean, uh, warmer. Ended up much warmer. <laughs> and, and we ended up falling in love with Virginia, and that's where we stayed. I mean, we obviously visited home, Pittsburgh, as often as we could, but we ended up making Virginia our home. Nice. Did you guys live together? We did. We lived together, uh, well, I mean... We lived together up until our mid-20s, so we were uh, pretty much insufferable. I mean, we were identical twins, and, um, you know, what Kelly did, I did, and what I did, Kelly did, and we finished our, each other's sentences, and I, I mean, you That's, know, the things you hear about right, twins, twins uh-huh. they're very true. It's I, fascinating I mean, it's, to hear about twins. Yeah. They, I mean, do you get that, like, sense of if something's bothering her and you don't even see her, you know there's something going on? Yeah, I mean, it, it was just, it's a feeling that you really, you know, and honestly, until years later, after losing Kelly, I didn't realize how intense that actually was, and how real that was. I, I didn't realize that we were as intertwined as we were, but right. for sure. Right. Now, um, can you tell our listeners, after you were living together, did um, did you end up separating and going to different houses or you stayed in the same area right we did we stayed in the same area and after we decided to leave the navy and the only reason we left the navy is because we were we were set to go back overseas um we were not able to extend where we were and we weren't able to get stationed on Navy ships at that time. So they were sending us overseas again. So the only reason we got out is because we didn't want to go back overseas. We had just gotten home. We bought a house. We loved the house. And so we ended up deciding to leave the Navy. Okay. When we left the Navy is um, when Kelly started to struggle a bit. What did she struggle with? Well, so... I guess I need to explain to you the process. So when you decide to leave the military, at least back then, um, it wasn't a very structured process. So once you decide to get out, you sign all the paperwork and they say goodbye, good luck. You say goodbye, good luck. And then it's over. You go from active duty to civilian immediately. And so you're left with this confusion as to okay now what um you you leave a culture of being told what to wear how to wear it how to iron it i I mean your medals have to be a certain height above your pocket i mean everything you do when your military is structured everything so now you're left with okay now what Uh, um how do i make my money where do i report to in the morning who do i report to what is my what now what right and so I was fortunate enough to uh, have a job lined up for me immediately um it was a very nice paying job I actually went to work for Coca-Cola for a while oh that's nice and yeah I right I don't not many people know that I was a sales rep for Coca-Cola and actually it was a really cool job but Kelly struggled with what was next for her And, and so with that confusion um led to other problems when you leave the military and and you start um you start your civilian life you're able to go to the va hospital and establish care there and and so kelly started 
struggling with depression that was prompted by her uh, confusion as to what to do next. And so she started getting prescribed medications, and those medications started increasing, um, strong medications, and that led to addiction. And once that snowballed, and it did, and it did quickly, uh, it grabbed a hold of her, and that's when problems escalated. Um, and how, how long was that period? I, like how, when she what, started taking the medication, how long would you say that was till the day that she died? Four, I, I can tell you with certainty it was 14 years um, of absolute oh chaos, confusion, depression. Um, I, I can't tell you how many times I had to have Kelly admitted to the hospital because things had gotten so bad and so dangerous and so out of control that so it was many years of um turmoil oh my gosh yeah how did you live with that too Darla like you'd go to work or you would be at your own house and just always worrying about your sister It, it was constant worry and and it I cannot tell you how many sleepless nights I had and how many days I had to hide in the bathroom and just cry because I didn't know what to do and I didn't know how to fix it and I didn't know how to help her. I felt, and I'm sure lots of people can relate to this, you feel powerless. You feel absolutely powerless. Oh, no. And it's to to watch, you know, Kelly was... Kelly was very successful. She was very liked uh, by everyone. She was funny. God, my sister, she was so witty. I, oh, I mean, yes, absolutely. Everyone loved her. And so to watch someone change over a period of years into a person that you at times don't even recognize physically or, or emotionally, it, it's, it, it's hard to know what to do with that. Right, because you want to help her. Right, you do, and you want to save her, and you want to pull her out and say, you know, Kelly, you can get through this. We're going to figure this out, and, mm-hmm. and ultimately we couldn't, oh. and, and that was a hard thing. That was a real hard thing, and I miss her every day. It's been 11 years. 11 years. And, and you know, when you lose, and all of your listeners can relate to grief and losing someone that they that they love, and the process of going through that but when you lose a twin and and unless you're a twin you can't understand this when you lose a twin you have to learn how to live again as an individual because that's something you're not familiar with right I didn't know how to live as an individual because I was always the second half of another person I was it was always Kelly and Darla yes that's so true I didn't even think about that but you're right your your journey and what you and your sister you did everything together everything right you don't identify as an individual when you're an identical twin especially if you were so intertwined like kelly and i i mean everything was was together right so it was really i felt like i i literally when when she committed suicide i felt like i had to learn how to walk again and and identify as just darla and not darling kelly Everything was Darling Kelly. I mean, if we got birthday cards, it was to Darling Kelly. I mean, if we, I mean, everything was Darling Kelly. So it was a a really tough process and still a process I struggle with. Right. I can't even imagine. I mean, that's something, you know, 
losing a twin to something like now did you know um right before she did take her life on that she was spiraling or that she you just knew something was going to happen or was this really a shock well it it, it was it, it was a shock but you know I can't tell you how many times there were, I I mean, Kelly attempted suicide on several occasions and those other occasions, I can't say necessarily shocked me because I knew things were spiraling because Kelly would have good times and not so good times. There were, you knew when things were getting bad or or you, it was a, it was a pattern, but when Kelly committed suicide, uh, and was successful. I did not see that coming because she actually, I mean, I had just seen her days before and it, she went trick-or-treating with my son and I. And so I just, I didn't see it coming. And, and then this is, a, this is a twin thing. So this probably will sound kind of re- almost unbelievable to people. But so the night before, oh, actually the night Kelly did commit suicide, I went to sleep crying because I felt that Kelly was dying and I cried myself to sleep. I knew that something was happening. I couldn't get in touch with her, but I couldn't go to her. My son was three at the time. I couldn't leave him in the middle of the night oh I, my I, gosh. and I didn't know what to do. And so the morning of, uh, I took my son to my neighbor's house and I said, I have to go to my sister's because I felt like you she was I do. I, I knew, and I was right. Oh. Matter of fact, I called the police on my way to her house and asked them if they would meet me there. I think I'm pretty certain they thought I was crazy, but they met me there anyways. And I asked them if they would enter my sister's house because I didn't want to find her. I had her house key, and I gave them the key. And I, they were pretty suspicious of me because they thought it was odd that I would have her key, but won't wouldn't go in. They did. They went in, and oh, Darla, this they, is... they didn't come. They didn't come out. I, you know, there were police cars showing up and detectives showing up, and so I knew I, I knew I was right. Oh, Darla, and that I she am... did in fact. I'm yeah. so sorry. I am so sorry, hun. I can't even imagine. I mean, I'm like I got tears in my eyes right now because I just can't even imagine losing your sister and going there. And it was tough. But the intuition that you had, you know, you. You knew. You knew something sure. was off. Like, this isn't just a regular day. Like, my my beautiful sister, who is strong and well-liked, she just didn't feel like she was needed in the world today. And I, I feel so awful. Too much medication, it spirals, it makes you more, like, depressed, and then you really can't get yourself off the floor. Tell us about your son in the midst of all this. So my son who I said was three at the time. So my son, Brady, and everybody that knows me knows this, he is my everything. I eat, breathe, and sleep (laughs) for my son. He's just my best friend. And I tried for a long time to get pregnant um, to become a mom. And I don't think God could have blessed me with a cooler kid. And so I feel so... (laughs) He's so handsome. Oh, my gosh. I just, yeah. He's taller than you. Is he taller than you now? He finally is. Hopefully hopefully he'll continue to grow because he plays ice hockey. So the the taller he can get, the better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. How old is he? He's 14. Oh, 14. Okay. 
yeah, that's the same age as my son. Oh, that's wonderful. So you and Brady were like best friends, and you kind of you got yourself real busy with what he was doing. And I know you can't get your mind off of things, but are you in a better place now? Uh, well, yeah, one hundred percent. You know, I, I mean, it took me a long time. Tried really hard to to laugh and smile and joke. But I I now realize that it took two, three years before I actually felt true, I don't want to say happiness, but it took a long time to get to a place where I could talk about Kelly and laugh about Kelly and tell stories to Brady about Kelly without getting upset. Right. If that makes sense. It was definitely a journey that I had to go through. And, you know, and I thank God every day that I had Brady because I truly think he was the reason I probably survived that pain. I remember just feeling pain like I never felt before and I hope to never feel again. It was just a pain I can't even describe. Right. And, and yeah. he is, you know, I mean, I had a kid. I had to, I had to get my act together. I had to keep going. And, he was what kept me moving forward and walking through that process of grief. I just thank God for him, you know, oh, and, yes. and I still do. I mean, it's, you know, and we talk about Kelly all the time. He, he was only three, but he, I think we've discussed her so often that it's, I think I've implanted memories. You know oh, what I that's mean? That's great though. It, he should know about I his mean, aunt. Yeah. Yeah. So can yeah. you tell us now, um, how your life has been and what you've been doing as far as your career. Can you also tell us if someone is out there, has gone through this or is going through this, they have a family member or someone close to them that is suffering with depression um, or anxiety or anything like that, what, do you, what would you tell them? I, I would tell them that it's going <clears> to, <throat> you, you feel so alone and you feel like everybody's busy and they have their own lives and they don't have time for you or to pay attention to what you're going through but I promise you there is someone out there that is struggling just as much if not more than you and do what you have to do to fight through those feelings because I promise you if you do things will be better and and, you know depression is a that's just, you know, I've always described depression and anxiety and all those things. They're just a, a whole new monster that unless you experience those, you can't really understand how hard they are. And, right. and you know, and I, one of my biggest regrets, and Kelly and I had a lot of discussions about depression, and anxiety, the addiction, and all those things that we sat on the couch one day. And, you know, she and I decided we were going to tell her story and we were going to write about it. This was not long before Kelly ended up successfully taking her own life. And I went ahead and I published a book. I published a book in 2014. And, and you know, that was my promise that I wanted to keep to Kelly. And, and I wonderful. told her story. Oh. And it's called Sister Surrendered. And when I published that book, I got dozens of messages from people who were explaining to me what they were going through or family members were going through. So, and it's, so it's, that just gave me a a quick snapshot of how many people are actually struggling. But, you know, what I was going to say is one of my biggest regrets is not 
go seek treatment and extensive inpatient treatment, that's not cheap. It's very expensive. And I couldn't afford to send Kelly to an inpatient rehab. I just didn't have the money. And I wish hindsight 2020, I would have taken out a loan or I would have done something to figure that out. Oh, Darla, don't. Don't think about that, honey. You're the best sister and you were there for her. Don't think about what you should have did or could have did because now your life right now is you got a wonderful, you just got married. Well, no, you're still kind of a newlywed, right? It's only been five. Well, well, five years in. I don't know. I guess it depends on what you consider a newlywed. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, five Five years years is not, mine's like 23. I don't even know anymore. (laughs) So, I mean, you, don't you feel like your life now is you can't, I'm sure a lot of people blame themselves like, oh, I should have did this. I could have did that. But you can't go through life having that on your shoulders, weighing that on your shoulders. You need to focus on the positive. And like you said, you talk about her life. You wrote a book about her life. And this is going to help so many people that are going through it. Oh, I hope so. Yes. I hope so. And, you know, I wish that resources weren't so difficult and, you know, and I, when I say resources, I, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I can't tell you how many times, you know, and, and I've heard this from so many people where loved ones, they get admitted into the hospital for three days of observation and then they get stabilized and they're sent home and it's over and over and over again, but that's not getting to the core root of why they're having those problems exactly. and there needs to be change in, in regards to treating mental illness and there just has to be some sort of fix to that system. I and agree. It's, it's disheartening. It is. And it's, I think, you know, like you said, it was like 11 years ago with your sister. I think 11 years ago, we didn't even talk about it. We were like, a, I didn't want no. to tell people like, hey, I'm depressed or, you know, I need medicine or I need this and that because the world just takes over your life. And you become yeah. like, I, I can't, I can't go see a therapist. I can't afford it. Or I can't start taking any medication because I don't, I, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm fine. I'm fine. But there's nothing wrong with asking for help mm-hmm. and saying, Absolutely. you know what, something's off. And right. the, the kids today with uh, my daughter in high school and the pressures and she, you know, she wanted 4.0 and she wanted this and that, she just kept herself like so hectic with trying to be the best at everything. And I told her, I said, listen, you're only human. You need to like yeah. settle down the anxiety that these kids are going through. But yeah, you're right, hon. The resources just need to be, we need to talk about it. And I'm going to have an episode on anxiety and teenagers coming up soon. But tell us about what you're doing now. You're a nurse and... Well, I'm a respiratory therapist. Oh, I'm sorry. You're a respiratory therapist. I love my nurses, but I'm a respiratory therapist. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so I'm a respiratory therapist. I have, July, I hit 20 years as a respiratory therapist. And I've spent the last year and a half traveling to COVID hotspots, which is not something that I ever obviously saw coming because who in the world saw None of us did, yeah. None of us did. Yeah, so, you know, I think going through something like what I went through with Kelly, you start feeling like you just need to to keep busy or to keep doing or to keep of service to people somehow. And I think for me, this pandemic, it really was a no brainer for me to just 
head to New York at the at the beginning of all of this at the epicenter. Scary right. as it was, I felt like I just got to do this, and that's what I did. So I went up to New York, spent three months in Coney Island, and then I went down to Miami when they were struggling, and then I went back to New York. So the last year and a half or so, it's been kind of in the hot spots battling COVID and that in itself has been life changing for me. I mean, I've never seen, and I hope I never do seen seen death the way oh, I've seen no. it. it it's You're one been, of our heroes. You know that you are a hero uh, to take I, one risk of many, your life. To many be a, clinicians that have done it. But yes. Thank you for that. No. And your son, I mean, he probably looks at you and says, mom, you're a superhero. You are a superhero. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, it's more like, Mom, can you buy me this? Mom, can you buy this? <laughs> I know, I'm with you. I am, I'm very happy that you're in a better place and that I know that, you know, you will always, always be talking about Kelly. She's wonderful. I remember we were in, um, didn't we do putting on the hits? Walk like an Egyptian? Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> in middle school? <laughs> I still have a VHS tape of that. <laughs> You're kidding. Well, you two were the no, main, you guys were the main stars. You were playing the guitar and I think singing, and I was that person with whistling. I don't even know. My That's part was just so whistling funny. with the tambourine. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> so we, those were good times. And, you know, I remember all those. Yeah. We had a lot of fun. And I yeah. feel like with your journey and your story today, Darla, you are going to touch someone. You're going to help someone. And we are just so happy that you joined me on my podcast. And I hope to talk to you soon because I know I do want to get into talking to you about going through, you know, being a therapist during COVID. So we can even talk about that another time. Absolutely. Okay, hi. love that. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. Is, if there's anything else you want to say, we're going to wrap it up. You know, just remember, if someone's going through tough times, just letting them, letting them know that you're there goes a, it goes a long way. Exactly. Thank you so much, Darla. You have a wonderful day. Thank you. You do the same. Thank you so much for joining me with Spill With Me, Jenny D. You can be anonymous, planning on having guest speakers, or anyone who wants to share their life experiences on the topic we covered that week. I'm going to post all that on my Facebook and website, so you will see what I'll be talking about that week. So give me a call. I can pre-record and put you on my, my episode that day. I stress this. I personally feel to heal yourself is to talk about it. And if we can help each other instead of keeping it bottled up and just release it, I think that it's going to help all of us. And let's have a lot of fun. I can't wait to hear from you guys. Oh, I'm so excited. This is still with me, Jenny Dean.